All right, you rowdy Christians. All right, good. Good, good, good. I was asking Jim, I go, are you guys like this all the time? Man, unbelievable. Good to see you guys tonight. Really good. And little sister, thanks for that, that scripture. I like that one. I, I don't think I've seen that scripture since my hair turned gray. And I appreciate that God's still, you know, working in on my side and taking care of me, even in my gray hair days. I love that. I didn't always have gray hair. About five years ago, it kind of started happening. So some of you, some of you guys, you might be lucky. It might never turn gray, but, but you guys doing good tonight? Yeah? Good. All right. It's been a while since I got to teach, and you guys know me. I love to teach. I really do. I, I really, really enjoy it. We got another great section, and the guys always make at me when I say that, but, uh, you know, it is. It's a great section that we're going to look at tonight. Paul's already been addressing a whole bunch of different issues. We've been going through Corinthians, marriage, divorce, singleness. I mean, you almost name it, a food offered to idols, which we don't really have to deal with nowadays, but worship, you know, the Lord's Supper, all sorts of stuff. And uh, as you're learning... The Corinthian church had a lot of problems, and some churches have a lot of problems, some churches don't have a lot of problems. I love it that we don't have a lot of problems, but when we do have problems, and it happens from time to time, we always got to remember that turn to the Bible. That's the place where you can find the principles, guys, to deal with any issue you have. I'm serious. Any issue or any problem. There's principles in the scripture. This, this word is going to last forever. And God knew that, you know, we were going to be in a situation that needed to have some truth spoke to it. And that's why he's given us the word. Tonight I'm excited. I get to talk, or at least I start to get to talk about spiritual gifts. And I've talked about spiritual gifts a lot over the last decade to many, many people. With friends, with places where I've ministered, where I've pastored at. Uh, I love talking about this stuff. I, I, I really do. Uh, you know, I say it over and over again, but refer back to the Jesus movement. Boy, we saw a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and it was mighty. And we saw so many gifts of the Spirit being used. But you know what else I saw? We saw a lot of misuse of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we saw a lot of confusion when it came uh, to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you a couple questions before we get going here. How many of you heard a teaching on spiritual gifts before? Raise your hand. Yeah, maybe less than half or about half. How many of you know what your gift is or gifts that you have? Raise them up high. I want to see. Okay. I'm just, I was just curious. Let me ask you this one. How many of you are using your gifts right now? Good. Good. That's awesome. I love that. That's great. Uh, what I'd like us to do is let's stand, and we're going to look at this first verse here, and then we're going to launch into it. I love that we honor God's word and honor him by standing as we read the scripture. 
It says, now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. Let's pray. God, we pray that uh, you bring clarity tonight. I pray that I know the words that I'm going to say, Lord, or I think I know. Maybe give me some words that uh, I haven't even thought of yet. But I thank you, Holy Spirit, that when we gather together in your name, Jesus, that your spirit is in this place and that you can speak things to us that aren't even said over the pulpit. And I pray that that would happen tonight, Lord. Bring clarification. Take away any kind of confusion that might be there, Lord. And uh, just open your word to us tonight in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Why don't you all sit down? Ignorance, misunderstanding, confusion about gifts. There's other things that people have been confused about too. Paul wrote to the church of Thessalonica, and in 1 Thessalonians it says this, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve, as do the rest who have no hope. In that section there, they didn't know what was going on when it came to the second coming of Christ and to the rapture of the church. So you know what Paul did? He writes to them and he begins to instruct them and begin to teach them. Whenever there's misunderstanding or you lack understanding, one of the greatest things you can do is just teach about it. That's why we're going through this section here tonight. The Corinthians lacked knowledge about this. And because of that, it brought confusion. I was thinking about confusion. Sometimes confusion comes just because there's, there, there's uh, ignorance of something. Sometimes, if you've noticed, confusion comes because of fear. We fear something. And sometimes confusion can come because there's a prejudice that you have about some specific subject, maybe even something in the scriptures. And I'm going to tell you, when it comes to spiritual gifts, there's, there, there, there's a lot of different views when it comes to that. And there's a lot of confusion, and there's a lot of misunderstanding, and a lot of abuse of spiritual gifts. There's really two camps that you have. You have the non-charismatic camp or non-Pentecostal camp, and you have the charismatic or Pentecostal camp. The one says that, yes, we believe in gifts. The other ones basically say, no, we don't believe in those gifts. So they're not for today. What some do is they overemphasize that cer certain gifts, and uh, they can become very disorderly in the use of those gifts. And what I'm referring to is usually the charismatic or the Pentecostal camp can get in that kind of direction. Now, on the other side of it, what can happen is instead of uh, going, you know, overboard on it, you begin to forbid these things. You begin to forbid the gifts. Or you begin to say that, you know what, we don't need those things anymore. And this is what they'll say. That stuff all ended when the last apostle died. Or what they'll use, and we'll be getting to it pretty soon in 1 Corinthians 13. They use 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 10. And I don't have it up there because we've got a lot of stuff to get through tonight. But they will use that verse to say that when the perfect, and that's what Paul says there, is when the perfect comes, these different types of gifts, and usually they're the sign gifts. And if you want to look at it, you can look at it later on. These will be done away with. We won't need those things anymore because we'll have all of this knowledge and we just don't need those things. Well, I really believe we need gifts. I really do. And I think most of you believe that, that we need that. The church needs that. 
He uses two words here, and we'll get into the other one in verse 4, but he uses special abilities, which are spirituals, and then spiritual gifts in verse 4, which are the grace gifts. It comes out of that word charismatic, you know, when someone says, you know, Pastor Jeff, he's a charismatic guy. You know, I'm, I'm not charismatic like that guy. I'm just a pretty dull kind of ordinary person. But it's these grace gifts, those spiritual gifts. I, I have a definition. Ah, there we go. It's right up there. I like that. A gift is a divine ability given to a Christian by the Spirit on the basis of what? Grace. Grace. You guys know what grace is? Grace is when you get something you don't deserve. That's what grace is. That's what salvation is, a gift. It's, a, it's been given by grace. For the purpose of what? Service. They advance the cause of Christ and glorify God in his church and also in the world. They're not just necessarily for inside the church building when we gather together, but even to take them to the, to the world that is out there and minister to them. I'm going to give you some definitions when we get into this and, and uh, some examples of the nine gifts that are mentioned here. And uh, there, there's a whole bunch more that are out there. The amazing thing about the Corinthian church, Paul wrote them and said, you guys don't lack anything. You got them all. They had all of the gifts operating uh, in that congregation at that time. But you know what they were doing? They were misusing them, is what they were doing. They began to get a little bit out of order, and we'll see that as we continue, especially when we get into uh, chapter 14 of Corinthians, where he begins to talk about the two gifts that they were really messing up on was tongues and also prophecy. And I, I don't know who's teaching that section, but one of one of our young pastors are teaching that. But I was thinking, zealousness can cause a person to wander off the main path. Zealousness. A lot of people go, you know, they're going in the right direction and their zealousness sometimes can cause them to wander off the wrong, the right path and they get in the wrong direction. It happens all of the time. I love zealous people. But zealous people sometimes can get pretty crazy. They truly can. Well, let's go on. Verse 2. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. He wants to remind them what their life was in their B.C. days. You guys know what B.C. days mean? Before Christ days. And they were just like you and I before we came to know Christ. You know what we were? We were Gentiles. We were pagans. We were sinners. You say, well, hey, Randy, we're still sinners. Yeah, we are. I'm a sinner just like you, but we're saved by grace now. God doesn't look at us as pagans anymore or as Gentiles, and he's uh, trying to tell them that, you know what? You had a different lifestyle. Look at 1 Peter 4.3. You have had enough in the past of evil things that godless people enjoy. We used to enjoy those things. Their immorality and their lust, their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties and their terrible worship of idols. You see, the thing that's amazing is God created each and every one of us with, with like this God void. And I, I can't remember what theologian uh, spoke about that, but it is the truth. You know, when I was a young believer, I used to talk to people and try and bring them to Christ. And I'd say, look, you've got a void in your life. That's why you're filling it with all this stuff. You see, God put that void in our life 
To do what? To worship him. You're going to worship something. That's just how God's created us. He created us to worship him. But what happens so many times is people begin to worship money, self. I mean, the list can just go on and on and on. Family, their job. You can worship something. You're going to give value to something. And it can be anything. Even a good thing can become an idol. Listen to what he says in Psalm 115. This is great. Describing these idols. Their idols are merely things of silver and gold shaped by human hands. They have mouths but cannot speak. They have eyes but they cannot see. They have ears but they cannot hear. And noses but they cannot smell. They have hands but they cannot feel. And feet that cannot walk. And throats but cannot make a sound. That's these speechless idols that they used to worship. And just as I said before, before you came to Christ, your BC days, you were worshiping something. You were, you, you were led astray. And that word that's used there is it's almost forcefully you've been pushed into this thing. And that's what Satan did to us when we were pagans. We didn't know it, but he was leading us where he wanted us to go. And what happened to us is that then we got controlled. And that's what he wants to happen in sinners' lives. Even in our life, he wants us to be pulled aside from the things of God. Let's go on. Verse 3. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus. And no one can say Jesus is Lord Except by the Holy Spirit. Tonight we're kind of going, you know, definitely verse by verse. I'm going to take a bigger chunk as we get going. But what was happening is they would have a meeting like this. And as they gathered together, all of a sudden somebody was saying, hey, it's the Spirit of God. And they were saying anathema to Jesus. In other words, Jesus be accursed. And Paul heard about that. And what he's trying to say to them is, say, listen. No one can say bad things about Jesus with the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God doesn't do those kind of things. He doesn't doesn't, uh, touch a person's heart to say something bad about Jesus Christ. That just doesn't happen. 1 John 4, 1 says this. Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have, have comes from what? From God. For there are many false prophets in the world. And in 1 Thessalonians, in the New American Standard, says this. Do not quench the spirit. And do not despise prophetic utterances. But examine everything, what? Carefully. Carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Listen, just because someone says that, you know, the spirit of the Lord said this, you don't have to accept it. You need to test it, guys. You really do. You need to do what? We need to, you need to match everything up to the scriptures. I've heard people say things and, 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 and saying that they're prophesying and saying stuff that's so unscriptural, it didn't match up with the scriptures. And if it doesn't match up with the scriptures, it can't be right. We have to test those things. And Paul's trying to say, guys, come on. You, you can't just accept it because all of a sudden you think that it's a good thing. Got to match it up with the scripture. 
And then what he's trying to say there, and this is kind of a little bit difficult to say because I've heard people say, oh, yeah, sure, Jesus, sure, he's Lord. I mean, when I used to share and witness with people and stuff and we were talking about the lordship of Christ, oh, yeah, and I'd say, well, you think he's Lord. Oh, sure, sure. What he's trying to really say there is that truthfully, someone really can't state that he is Lord, that he is Lord of all, unless the Spirit of God does some prompting in their heart. In Matthew chapter 13, remember that thing? Jesus is talking to his disciples, and they're walking. You know, Jesus would just hang out with his disciples, hung out for three years. And he's always just bringing up things, and I'm sure they're bringing up things. But one day he says, you know what, guys? Who do people say I am? What are they saying about me? And you guys, you remember the, the scripture there? He said, oh, yeah, some say you're John the Baptist. Oh, they, they think like you're, you're like, like Elijah the prophet, or you're this or that. And he looks at him. And, I, and I, I, as I was thinking about this, I was going, he must have intently really looked at him, you know, with those eyes, and, and said, well, who do you think I am? And remember what happened there? All of a sudden, Peter says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. You're the Lord. You see, that's what Paul's trying to say here. That takes the Spirit of God, that truthfulness of speaking Him as Lord in your life. When you say that to somebody, that's the Spirit moving upon you. So let's go on, and now we'll get into the gifts here a little bit. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are all kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but is the same God who does the work in all of us. You guys see the Trinity there? It's right there. You see the Lord, you see the Spirit, and you see God. You see that throughout the scriptures over and over again. The Godhead at work. And they're at work at giving gifts. Different kinds, it says there. In other words, varieties. Varieties of those grace gifts. How many? Uh, you know, do I have the slide going up here? No, I think I got it going up a little bit later. How many? I've counted over 25 or so, and we're going to have a chart up there in a little bit. And then he says there's, there's different kinds of service. The New American Standard says that there's, there's different kinds of ministries, and we see a lot of different ministries. In the original language, it's talking about that, that service or, or office, and he says, then there's different ways. There's different ways. The New America Standard says that there's different effects. And the original language says that there's, there's different workings or operations. Well, what are, what are we talking about here? Well, what we're talking about is that, you know, there's different ministries that are out there. And different ministries need different kind of gifting in that ministry. They need different people with different gifting. You're saying, well, what are you talking about here? Well, how about in the book of Acts? You had the widows. Remember, there was trouble with the widows and stuff. And, and I was thinking about that. Well, what kind of gifts would you need to minister to widows? Well, you'd probably need somebody with the gift of service. You would need somebody that maybe has the gift of mercy. You might need somebody in that ministry that really has the gift of intercessory prayer, praying for for the needs of those people. It could be all sorts of things. So what he's trying to say there is that there's a variety of different gifts. And the gifts will function and work and operate in people differently. I might have 
one gift. You might have the same gift, and it might not operate exactly the same. And the reason why that does that is because sometimes it could be just our personalities, could be our temperament. And I love it. I love how God, you know, uses us, and we're so different from one another. One another. But you can receive a gift from somebody as, they're, as maybe they're praying for you and they've got the gift of intercession and it might be different than me praying for you. And then he says that serving God can be done in a lot of different ways. It doesn't always look the same. People used to run after experiences all of the time. And some people still do it today. Well, I heard this person, boy, when the spirit got on, they were shaking and boy, they were laughing and they were doing all that. And people go running out trying to find that. It doesn't always happen the same. It really doesn't. God works differently, and the way that his gifts operate in a person's life sometimes is just a little bit different. Nothing wrong with that. It's great. I love that stuff. Let's go on verse 7. Who gets the gifts, and what are they for? Verse 7. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. You see that? They're given, not just, uh, they're, not just a few people get gifts. He wants to give gifts to every one of us. Every one of us. First Peter says that each and every one of us can have at least one gift. Every one of you guys today that are, that's in this place that didn't raise your hand, listen, you got a gift, at least one, and you probably got more than one. Well, you got to be mature to get a gift? No, you don't. And you say, well, how do you know that? Well, the, the Corinthian church, they were, not, they were not mature people. They were imperfect, weren't they? They were immature. They were very carnal. They were very fleshy in the things that they did. So what that does is it lets us know that you don't have to be a super mature person to receive a gift. You just don't have to do that, guys. God wants to give gifts to you. doesn't matter how old you are in the Lord. doesn't matter how young you are in the Lord. He wants to do that. Romans eleven twenty nine says this. For the gifts and calling of the Lord are irrevocable. That's not the verse I have, but it's another translation, New American Standard. The Living Translation says, For God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. The gifts that God gives to you, they're yours. No one's going to take them back. God will never take them back. It's like Christmas. I can't wait for Christmas. I get gifts. I love it. You know, I'm crazy when it comes to Christmas. I love it. My whole family knows that it's that way. I just start kind of looking around on where's my name on some of the gifts. I love it. I really do. And I love giving gifts. I really do. And you guys know, I got a little three-and-a-half-year-old grandkid that's just the love of my life. I just can't wait to give him a whole bunch. But God gives gifts. He gives them to you. He's never going to take them back. Once it's yours, it's yours. And even if you're acting like a terrible sinner, I'm going to tell you something. God still uses the gift in your life. Can it be affected? Yeah, I think it can be affected. But the gift is still there. It's still there. What's it for? To help each other. 
in the original language, it, it's to profit all. It's to build up, it's to strengthen, it's to edify, it's to build the church up. We need to be built up, don't we? We need to be strong as a church. That's what it's for. It's not to glorify self. That's not what it's for. It's not for you. It's for you to minister to somebody else. And when you guys are using your gifts, I hope you've noticed this, you're blessed. And there's such great joy that you have when you do it. I've got like the gift of exhortation. We're not going to talk about that tonight. And I tell you what, that's what I get to do. I'm exhorting you guys to, to grow in Jesus. I love it. I really do. I meet with our young, young guys, our young pastors, and I'm imparting into their life the things that God's taught me over the last 40 years. I love it. I don't like waking up at 6 o'clock in the morning. I don't have to do that with the new group I have. We will meet at nighttime now. A little easier. I like that. But I do it at 6 o'clock because I just love doing it. hate waking up early, but I love it. But God wants us to have that kind of joy. He really does. And you know, you can use your gift. You don't have to be part of a, you know, officially part of some ministry in, in, in our church. You don't have to. You, you can just use it without being part of a ministry. You truly can. But how do you use them? You use them in humility. You use them with a servant's heart. You use them as a team mentality and a team attitude. And above all things, and we're going to get to it in Corinthians 13, it's motivated out of love. And I'm telling you, I've seen a lot of gifts operate with wrong attitudes. And the kind of wrong attitudes that people have sometimes is pride, arrogance, and superiority. You know, this, this next section that we'll be talking about deals with this whole thing of superiority. People were saying, I don't need you. Remember, I'm an eye. I don't need the hand. We need everybody. We truly do. Now let's get into the gifts here. Verse 8. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. To the same Spirit, excuse me, the same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives a gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from the, another spirit. Still another person, he gives the ability to speak in unknown languages while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. I think this is where I want to have that. Uh, I, put in that I got that slide coming up on this one? Yeah, I do. There you go. There's really, you can see up there, really three main sections where the gifts are really talked about and that other one also in, in 1 Peter. But that isn't even all the gifts that are in the scriptures. I mean, uh, I've found other ones like the gift of intercession, the gift of celibacy, which we've already talked about as we've gone through Corinthians, the gift of being a martyr, dying for Christ, the gift of being a missionary, the gift of hospitality, which some of you guys graciously have. I want to do a little quick table talk, but man, they turn you guys loose and you just, it's hard to get control of you again. <laughs> 
If I ask you to do this, will you do it for me? I ask you every, every time. I don't want you talking to the whole table, all right? I always lay that ground rule and you never listen to me, and that's okay. <laughs> My wife doesn't listen to me either. I just want you, and Pastor Jeff did that, I think, this Sunday morning. I just want you to turn into the person next to you, and, 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 and maybe you've seen a gift in them, okay? Can you just share maybe, hey, I've seen this gift in you? Just to the person next to you, real quick. And maybe you haven't seen it, you know? Maybe you have seen a gift operating in their life. Hey, I, I've seen you, you know, giving words of encouragement, or I've seen you doing this. I've seen that you've got intercessory. <laughs> and, and there's the gifts up there, so you can kind of see some of them. Maybe mercy, maybe helps, maybe faith. Maybe wisdom, maybe service, maybe mercy. Okay? And at the end of the message, I'm going to try and help you see if you can discover your gifts. All right. All right, we're going to get going there. Do, do we have the gifts, uh, the definitions? How about wisdom? There we go. There's nine that we're going to look at tonight, all right? Nine of them that we're going to look at tonight. In verse 28, Paul, again, he mentions eight more, and five of them are even new to this list that I just went through here. So this isn't an exhausted list of, of, of the gifts, as I said before. But wisdom. person that has this gift of wisdom knows the mind of the Spirit. They receive special insight or wisdom that can be applied to a specific need that arises in the body or an individual that can bring great understanding or resolution to a problem or to an issue. And here's the example that I gave you. You can see that. Did I put that on there? Acts? Yeah. Acts chapter 6. The Greek widows were being uh, neglected at that time. It could have turned out to be a terrible thing. Could have even split the church in half. And all of a sudden, someone said, you know, and the apostles got up and they said, look, we... we we need to study. We need to teach the word. We need to pray. And this isn't a bad thing. It's saying God's calling us away from serving, you know, in this physical sense, and he wants us more focusing on the spiritual. And somebody says, I know what we need to do. We need to pick seven guys full of the Holy Spirit, guys that can minister to these, uh, these widows that, that need that. And you know what was the amazing thing about it is they were mostly all, all Greek guys. That's a word of wisdom. All of a sudden, this problem and this issue was completely, it was resolved. Resolved. And if someone's given you a word of wisdom or if you've given a word of wisdom to somebody, you know how it's just, it's almost instantaneous like that. And you go, man, that was right on. That's a word. We're going to do, we need to do that. Second one, knowledge. Person that has the gift of knowledge. Or a word of knowledge, receive special knowledge about someone or something. Special knowledge, knowledge that they don't know. Acts chapter 8 is a great one. Peter called out the sorcerer. He knew what was in his heart. He knew there was something not right inside this man's heart. Peter didn't even know this guy. But he could tell the spirit just said, it gave him these things that this guy's not right. 
What's going on here is right. He exposed his heart to him. And then another great one is Acts chapter 27 with Paul in the storm. Wow. He told these guys, he, he told them. I mean, the Lord just gave him this word. And he said, guys, if we take off and sell, we're going to get in trouble. There's going to be storm out there. And they should have listened to him. You know, we don't have time to talk about that. But I'll tell you what, later on, they wish they would have listened to Paul. That was a word of knowledge. Faith. person with this thing has an extraordinary confidence to discern God's will and make it happen. They encourage others to believe nothing is impossible. We taught through the book of Acts, you know. I, matter of fact, I taught that section on Acts chapter 3. And I know under the nudging of the Holy Spirit, Peter walked by that crippled beggar that day. He walked by him over and over again. He walked by him and he had that gift of faith. He just reached down and he grabbed him and he just pulled him right up out of there and he says, you're going to walk. And he walked. That's faith. That's a gift of faith. And sometimes the gift of faith and the gift of healing can operate together. And that's the next one we're looking at is healing. A person that has a gift of healing, they serve as like a human instrument. Okay? God uses to cure illness and restore health and life in a supernatural way. Not in a natural way. You know, it's not like the doctor, okay? Although he has, he has, you know, that healing, but it's in a supernatural way. It's not with medicine. Has anybody ever seen anybody healed? Look at that. Look at my hands are up there. Yeah. I, 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 when I was a very young believer one time, we were up at a Christian camp, and we were fired up. And I remember this one girl, she was a friend of my wife's, and... Uh, you know, they were all talking about the gifts of the Spirit and all that when we were up there. And, and she's, man, I got a headache. And I, I'm telling you, I just said, you're going to get healed. And I just laid my hand on her, popped it right on her head just like that, almost knocked her over, just popped it on her. And I said, be healed in Jesus' name. She looks at me, and I was dumbfounded. She goes, it's gone. That's the only time it ever happened, so don't come to me for healing. <laughs> I'm serious. Don't. But I tell you what, I know a person who has been used that way, Paul right there. A lot of times when it comes to healing, I think definitely that God uses him with the gift of healing. Seriously. So if you want to get healed, don't come to me. You know, find somebody that's got that gift of healing. Okay, let's go on. Miracles. How many of you see miracles? Anybody see miracles? Well, yeah. Awesome. When they happen, they're amazing, aren't they? Miracles serve, uh, these people, they serve again as a human instrument. God performs powerful supernatural works that alters the course of the natural world. Remember Paul preaching like I do way too long? Kid falls out the, out the window, drops down dead. He goes on out there and just picks him up and brings him back to life. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. He was dead and he came back to life. Jesus calmed the seas, fed 5,000. Those are miracles. Those are miracles. Prophecy. Gift of prophecy imparts inspired direct words of encouragement, warning, or consolation for the present or the future. Acts chapter 21, Agabus, the prophet, he tells Paul, gets that belt, ties him up, stuff, and says, look, man, if this is your belt, you're going to be bound up. And he was. Gave him a prophetic word of the future. 
And Paul didn't heed it. He knew that's where he was supposed to go. That's what prophecy does. Love the gift of prophecy. We need to hear more of that. Sometimes that, that, that comes out, especially when, when people are preaching. I can feel that upon myself sometimes, that, that prophetic word that God will give. Discernment. Judge with assurance whether certain behavior, deeds, or action is divine, godly, or human, or satanic. That's what a person with the gift of discernment can, can do. Acts chapter 13, again, Paul, full of the Spirit, called out the sorcerer, and he knew, he knew he wasn't from the right spirit, the things he was doing and saying. And then we've got tongues. A lot of people get afraid of that stuff. How many of you heard people speak in tongues? Wow, look at that. That's awesome. I love it. Speak in a language that is unknown to them, earthly or heavenly, used in praying to God, giving of thanks and or praise. You know, chapter 14, we're really going to get into that because that Corinthian church was really messed up when it came to this gift and uh, also to, to prophecy. Um, the amazing thing I was sharing with Odell uh, call him Odie. Uh, it's, it's the one gift that the Bible says it builds you up. Jude chapter 20, I didn't put it on there, but there's a reference to it. You can read it later on. It builds you up. Paul the Apostle said this. He says, I wish you all spoke in tongues. But when you come to church, he says, it's not a good thing to be doing. But it builds you up. And I want to get built up. I really do. That's why I think that's an awesome thing. And, and Paul even says to me, he says, I wish you all spoke in tongues. I wish God gave you that. Why? Because I think he wants people to be built up. And then interpretation, and we're getting close to ending here. The gift of interpretation is to interpret a message given in an unknown, unknown language. It could be words of praise to God or God speaking to them. 1 Corinthians 14.21 talks about they speak to his own people in strange tongues. How many of you have heard any of that? All right. Good. Verse 11, and we're closing this up pretty quick. It is the one and the only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. The Spirit gives and the Spirit decides who gets specific gifts. God distributes them at, as his will. You guys ever remember the old TV show, Father Knows Best? Yeah, a few of you do. Our Father knows best. He knows who needs to get what. What makes him decide that? I don't know. I don't know. But he knows. And nobody really operates, I believe, in all of the gifts. I really don't. Not even Jesus, but he operated in a lot of them. He really did. Can we pray for gifts? I think so. I really do. You know, uh, Paul says in Corinthians 14, uh, 13, he says, you know, if you speak in tongues, pray that you can interpret it. He says, desire earnestly spiritual gifts. Well, if you want to desire, that means you must be able to ask for those kind of things. I remember as a young believer, I, I saw people prophesying and, and speaking words to people. And I said, God, man, I, I'd love to have that. Don't be disappointed if you don't get what you asked for. Remember, he's the one that distributes. He's the one that decides. The gifts are for today, guys. They truly are. They build up the church. They build up you and I. That's why they're so important for us. And listen, 
God wants each and every one of you to use your gift or gifts. This, this church journey, strength, depends on you. It truly does. Paul wrote to young Timothy two times. This was his child in the faith. Two times he wrote to him. And why did he write to him? And he wrote to him about gifts because he was trying to nudge him a little bit. This is what he says, and we're almost closing up here. 1 Timothy 4.14 says this. This is Father Paul speaking to Timothy. Do not neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid hands on you. Sometimes maybe you need someone to just pray for you to receive a gift. Maybe someone needs to speak a word to you that God's giving this gift to you. That's what it seems like what happened to Timothy here. And then notice in 2 Timothy here, this is two to four years later. Paul writes again. And he says, I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we departed. And I will be filled with joy when we are together again. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that, you, that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And then this is what he says. And I know that the same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to what? Fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid hands upon you. For God has given us, has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and discipline. That was used in our fearless series that we talked through. Listen, this is what I'm supposed to do tonight. I'm supposed to nudge you to use your gifts. That's why I felt God speak to me. That as a father, as, as Paul gray hair, just like I am. I want to nudge you to use your gift. We need you to use your gift. Look for opportunities to use your gifts. Look for those opportunities. God will bring those opportunities where you can use your gifts. And here's a practical thing. Remember I said I want to help you try and find your gifts? Look at you can Google spiritual gifts test. You truly can. And there are gifts that, tests that you can take out there that can help you discover those things. New Hope uh, uh, Christian Church in Hawaii has got a thing, and I've encouraged some of the guys that I meet with to, to get in there and find out what their gifts are. Why is that important? Because once you discover, then you can start using it. It helps you to do that. I want you to deploy the gifts that God has given you. Doesn't that sound good? You guys want to be used by God to do that? Good. Let's all stand up. I'm going to make you do something we don't usually do here. So I'll stand up. I'm not going to let you talk again. But you know what I want you doing? Kind of spreading out. I want you to grab a hand and kind of let's link them together. We're the body of Christ, aren't we? All right? We used to do a lot of this when we were Jesus freaks. But it shows that we're united in the spirit of God, right? That person on the right of you, that person on the left of you, they got a gift maybe that you need. Maybe they got a word to give to you tonight. I, I don't know. But isn't that great? I love that. And I, I, I wish I had a picture of that. We're united together in Christ. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much that your spirit does unite us. Thank you that as I... Look out over my brothers and sisters, Lord, just 
that expression of love, just grabbing a hold of that person there next to them. Thank you so much, God, that you've placed us in this body. Please use us, Lord. Help us to discover the gifts that you've given to us. Help us to just start using them, Lord, and even developing them. And I know that they get developed as we just use them more and more. Release your people tonight to do that, Lord. I pray your blessing upon each and every one of them that are standing here tonight. I pray that their love for you will grow stronger, that their love for one another will grow stronger, and that you would use them in mightier ways than they would ever, ever imagine that you could do, Lord. Because each and every one of us are valuable to you, Lord. And as our sister said tonight, God, the devil was trying to say that she was worthless. But in your eyes, God, we are worthy of your love because of what Jesus has done on the cross. And God wants to say to each and every one of you that he is pleased with you, that he loves you. He loves you with an unending, undying, and everlasting love, and that his love will never, never be taken from you. We pray this in Jesus' name, and they all said, Amen. Amen. All right. God bless you guys.